one. We are living in unprecedented times. No matter what industry you come from, we must all review, rethink, and reinvent ourselves. Are you an entrepreneur that is trying to adapt your business to the new norm? Well, you are listening to the 2020 Entrepreneur, a podcast that will motivate you and have you think outside of the box. My name is Hugo Almeida, and with over 30 years of being an entrepreneur, I am here to share and inspire you with my experiences and help invent a new you. Hello, everybody. Hugo here with T20E World, and today I'm excited because we have a special guest from Pangea.app, who's our sponsor for this month, Adam Alpert, founder, CEO of Pangea.app. Welcome, Adam. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm hanging in, Hugo. So happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Excited to have our conversation. Oh, for sure. We're so excited. And uh, thanks again for sponsoring T20E World in the month of January. I know we kicked off two great episodes in 2021. So now we're here with the founder, and we're going to talk a little bit about the evolution of Pangea.app, as well as dealing with rejection. Hot topic here, Adam. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a New York native who has now found himself living up in Rhode Island. Okay. My my story really begins in fifth grade when I was diagnosed with, with ADD. I always had a really hard time focusing. I really had a hard time finding my thing. My attention was always darting around from one thing to the next thing. But in sixth grade for my birthday, my parents got me a video camera. And I was super excited about it. I remember breaking it outside the box and opening it up and powering up for the first time and just uncovering all the different features that, sure. that were part of this this thing. And, you know, my friends came over that weekend and we started, you know, just recording ourselves running around the house with Nerf guns. And I was just hooked. You know, as soon as we had the, the camera hooked up into, you know, a, a PC monitor, and we're, we were just rolling on the floor laughing at ourselves. And I, I found my thing. And awesome. all through middle school, I was on, you know, YouTube learning how to use edit editing software and learning more about how to frame shots and how different shots sync together and you can create narrative arcs and that passion ignited a fire in me uh, you know just awesome. working with you know when you can have an idea for a shot have an idea for something you can put together and then be enabled to put it into action and create something out of it it was so powerful it was so powerful to me especially when you know in in high school i was producing content and they would show it at the the morning meeting in front of 500 students. And when I got smiles at that audience, it was just one of the most satisfying totally. things I'd ever seen in my life. And just to see how something that you can create can, can impact others, even in a small way of, as inspiring and creating smiles, I just, I found my joy in life. Yeah. There's so much about film that I, that, I, that I fell in love with. And that basically was my resume and my essay to, to college. And I applied early into Brown University Oh, good for you. Uh, got accepted and I matriculated in 2013. Very, very lucky. And I was super excited to get into filmmaking and do film projects with other students, learn about it in classrooms. But after my first year, I, I had basically taken every single production class that they offered, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, like, and now what, you know, and I was looking for opportunities outside the classroom. And, you know, it was very serendipitous. If a student happened to know that I knew how to create films, they would hit me up. But I started looking and looking and there was this massive gap I found, you know, when I walked into the career center saying, Hey, I, I'm a freelance videographer, you know, how do I, how do I find opportunities? And they said, well, you can either find a full-time summer internship, which oftentimes didn't even pay or were hyper competitive. That's right. You know, maybe at a big bank in New York, which hey, they did pay, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. 
or you can go work on an on-campus job. And I was like, well, neither of those things is exactly what I want to do. I ended up getting an on-campus job in the media services department where I would okay. do lecture capture. And okay. I would, they would send me to classrooms and set up a camera on a tripod and click record and, and sit there it. for 90 minutes. <laughs> and then that was it, you know, but it paid well. It was like, you know, I was making, you know, 13, $14 an hour. And that was like pretty solid as a student. And that was kind of, you know, where I was at and a bit of my story. And it was in that space, probably around my sophomore year that, you know, Pangea really started to, to come into formation, at least in our heads around solving problems for students who were looking for work opportunities and had skill sets that were untapped that we wanted people to do more of. You know, for me, it's, I was able to, you know, bring so much focus into my film projects, even with the ADD. And it was because sure. I found my joy and I wanted to help other students find their joy as well and work through whatever they were working through and find that passion and, and really flex that muscle. Oh, good for you, Adam. That's a great, great story. So I guess that's, what was it? Sophomore, junior year where Pangea started evolving. Yeah. So my, my co-founder, John, was my housemate junior year. Okay. And he was an applied mathematics student at the time. I, I had transitioned into studying history. And, you know, I John, we were living together and we were, you know, kind of already thinking about this idea of Pangea. And John was showing me something he had built, you know, this really cool kind of planet that was floating around. He, he created at a hackathon. He was an incredibly brilliant engineer. And I started talking to him about, you know, this idea for Pangea. And, you know, what he saw in it was an opportunity to connect people you know, around something that they could do to create value for others. Absolutely. And he had never built an app before, you know, and I said, do you want to do it? Do you want to be the CTO? And he said, give me a week. Let me figure out if I can even learn how to make an app. And then I'll give you my answer. And sure enough, he went, he did his due diligence on it. And he came back and says, you know, I think I can do this. Uh, awesome. At least I want to try. So then we started working on it and that would have been in 2016. And it, you know, it's been, it's been a long journey since then. I mean, it's been around five years since we, we initially incorporated. I mean, so it's been a long journey. Yeah, it's been a long journey. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I use the app. I'm a Pangean now. We, we, we have actually incorporated, right? Some of your mm -hmm. uh, Pangean people in our company. Thank you. We have Anthony Whitaker. He kind of heads up with Alyssa Corriali. Uh, mm. our social media side of the house. And I'll tell you, we are smart kid. Oh, it's phenomenal. He's awesome. He's got hustle. He's got hustle. I love it. He's got passion, hustle. He's exactly what we need. And I'll tell you, it was an easy transition for us, right? To try something completely different. So we kind of, mm. and, and I, and I kind of like that, right? Everybody kind of knows that knows me. I, I'm always thinking different ways outside of the box, you know, the traditional way of hiring people and connecting, you know, when we chatted early on and you kind of explained the Pangea app and, and how it works and how it does connect students. And I saw that massive database of students that I can select from. And, I, and it, it broke my heart not to be able to hire at least four or five of them. But for the time, at least we got somebody that was dead on, you know. So that was, that was just awesome. And I know now that you needed to, obviously, you want to launch some idea, some concept, and you need to get funding. I'm assuming that's the next step, funding. You tend to think it is, right? And I think that we really got moving on it. My co-founder and I graduated in 2017 and we got into an accelerator program through Brown that basically gave us funding for the summer. Oh, that's and awesome. It gave us kind cool. of enough time to basically, you know, Hey, we're going to pay for rent for the summer this way. And you know, it allowed us to go to our parents and say, Hey, you know, John was getting looked at by recruiters by Palantir. <laughs> I had offers to go do consulting in New York. Yeah. And neither of us, you know, we saw an opportunity to, to try to do something that was going to have an impact. So we got into this accelerator and we got to work. And I think that when we finished the accelerator program in September, which is when we basically launched our first app, you know, we thought that funding would come right away. I remember giving that presentation being 
and we're raising, you know, we're on the app store today and we're raising half a million dollars to crickets, right? Because <laughs> investors want to see validation. Absolutely. They want to see that you've proven something, especially when you're coming out of college, you know, and there's a crowded space. And when we, when we initially launched, it wasn't as honed. It was very different than what it is today. We, we kind of launched around a concept that was more aligned with Uber for everything. You know, it was a splash of Uber, a splash yeah. of DoorDash, a splash of Facebook Marketplace, Shopify. And we were just trying to do way too much, you know? And when you try to do too much and you try to do something for everyone, you, you do nothing, you know? And, and we launched that product. And over the course of the next, I think it was the next like 18 months, you know, we did like $80 in transaction volume or something super negligible. It sure. was like, it didn't even exist in the world. And, you know, we were fundraising and stuff, you know, and we kept getting rejections and stuff like that because John and I were so passionate around the problems we were trying to solve for ourselves. Sure. We just were so determined to keep going. And also because when we graduated, we chose to stay in Providence. And I know we'll come back to this later. You know, the costs were pretty low. You yeah. know, we moved in together. We're paying a couple hundred dollars a month in rent, you know, and living expenses are so low. So we had this runway. And after the first year, we said, okay, 18 months, it's not quite working. Uh, we did a whole academic year, $80. <laughs> we have to start to change something. And the first thing we started changing was initially we launched and it was just students helping out other students. We had this theory that, hey, students from RISD can work with students from Brown and can work with students from Johnson & Wales, and that that was going to be the thing. But it was just too broad. It was too broad and, and we were doing goods and services and all these different things. So going into the 2018 to 2019 academic year, uh, we launched basically Pangea.app, Pangea V2. We rebranded okay. as Pangea.app and we opened up the buy side. That was a very big decision for us. We said, if we really want to help our students make money and start a business, right, their customers are not other students, is what we discovered. So we need to help them find customers. We didn't know who those customers were. That's right. Right. Because we had students on that platform who were doing dog walking or were doing delivery services, or, you know, we did have some kids who were doing photography and more of these freelancing kind of things. And then that semester, after we made that initial pivot in 2018, we did like almost $2,000 in transaction volume. So That's going from cool. $80 to $2,000. Okay was a big leap. Obviously still $2,000 over the course of several months is, is nothing. Like we did $6,000 yesterday, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but at the time it was like, okay, it's something, but we didn't see it really working. And that was a really hard moment for us because we had kind of really hit, I remember that end of 2018 was like, we hit a wall, you know? And it was like, this, this isn't going to work. And, you know, we gotten tons of projections from investors over the years and we were getting, you know, we weren't getting customers and we weren't, our users weren't really doing very much. And we just felt like we were a little bit lost. I remember literally going to the whiteboard and kind of stepping back and, and redrawing. And one of the things that we started doing a really good job of was talking with our users and talking with students in particular around what types of things that are they concerned about. And all of them were concerned about what they were going to do when they graduated and how are they going to build a resume and how are they going to make money. And the types of projects that were getting traction tended to be the web development things and things of that sort. And we as a company, you know, as a small early stage startup with very little money in the bank, you know, we were looking to build a team, but we were looking for part-timers who work sure. for on an hourly wage and, you know, on a contingency basis. And we wanted people who can grow into our team, college students, right? So when we were trying to basically hire students, we were going through the career centers and we weren't getting anything. You know, if we ever heard back, you know, it would take months to kind of get a posting up and get students that way. And most schools just rejected us just flat out because we didn't have a career page or we yeah, didn't yeah. have a phone number or we didn't have like an address that wasn't our home. Stuff like that you get yeah. rejected from. Yeah. And we don't have a full-time recruiter. It's just me. So it dawned on us that maybe the thing that we should be building is something that helps students gain experience and connect to them with not just anyone in the world, 
but specifically employers and specifically employers who didn't have internship programs that were looking for people who could work with them part-time and grow into their team. And in 2019, that's what we launched with. We went through a big pivot. We rebuilt a freelance marketplace for hiring students. Uh, we got into another accelerator program called Mass Challenge, which was a very big deal for us and is an amazing program. And that's when we got our first clients. And I think in 2019, uh, we did twenty thousand dollars in in transaction volume, so sir, we were on to something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and almost all of that was in the last quarter when we basically relaunched that freelance marketplace. And then in the last year, we've done you know close to three hundred transaction volume. Oh, that's great! Great. You tested the waters. You see it's working. You're tweaking. You know, we always live mm -hmm. by plan, do, check, plan. Right? You know, plan it, mm -hmm. implement it, review it, tweak it, plan it again. You know, and just keep doing it. So good for you. That's a great, great story. You know, I would think that one of the challenges is a lot of the startups, right? Especially app companies, software companies, you know, are in the California area, right? And you here you mm -hmm. are starting something out of Rhode Island. Did you see that as being a challenge at all or not really? I mean, the obvious challenges are the, the ecosystem has a little bit less depth, right? You have a lot of other companies in Silicon Valley. You have more around you. You have Sand Hill Road. You have more investor capital. You get higher valuations. Like all, You still have that in the Bay Area. Sure. But it's also an echo chamber. Right. And there's also a certain set of expectations and, and things of that sort. And it's you get a little bit more caught up, I think, in the raising VC money from really big names mm -hmm. as opposed to what really matters, which is your, your customers and your users and Agreed. actual business. So starting a company outside the Bay Area and, and really kind of a city that is not seen as like startup central, right? And isn't necessarily one of the most up and coming startup cities, at least not yet. It's you're outside the echo chain, right? It's like either you're going to build a business that people use. Or you're not, right? There's nothing to kind of fluff you up. You have to get it right. No one's going to write you a check for a million dollars without serious traction. You know, East Coast investors have different standards, you know, and they look <laughs> at your revenue and they look at a lot of other things that no it's hard to raise yeah. as, a, as a Brown University grad with a pitch deck. Yeah. You know, different than, you know, in, so in Silicon Valley, you go to Stanford University and boom, you know, they fund you. So it's it's a little bit challenging, but I think that breeds potentially higher quality companies. I mean, you look at a lot of companies that have come out of the East Coast, HubSpot are doing incredibly well. Yeah, Boston I agree. Um, is really cool. And, you know, Providence, you're close to Boston, you're close to New York, and both of those are really high class, you know, up and coming in the last five, 10 years, startup cities. And I've had days where, you know, I wake up. I go to Boston and I go to New York that, that evening, you sure. know, and I literally hit all three cities in a day. I've gone to New York and back in a day. You can do it, especially yeah. when you're fresh out of college and you have a lot of energy. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why I think building a company in Providence or at the very least outside the Bay Area is a good thing. And it's also just possible nowadays. I it mean, is. you can hop on an investor call with someone and it's just more efficient and you, we've all gotten more comfortable with it as a result of the pandemic. And I think that, you know, it's now widespread kind of belief in, in the startup community that you can build a startup anywhere and you don't have to be in the Valley. And there's this widespread rejection seeing all these companies move to Texas, out of the Bay, it's too expensive, you know, it's all the different stuff. Again, you still have a depth there that it's hard to replicate, but with now everything being remote, we're also comfortable. Why not start oh, it totally. in a city where the quality of life is super high, the cost of living is super low, and you actually have the opportunity to shape and grow the ecosystem. I think one of the really exciting things about being satisfied uh, and gratified in what we do is a win for Pangea is a win for Rhode Island, you know, and, and it feels that way. It's a tight-knit community. I cool. know everyone here. They know me. That's awesome. You know, and, it, and that kind of stuff lifts you up. You know, yeah. I have founders that are in the same shoes as me. There's, you know, 10 of us in the state. You yeah. know, I, I got, they call me every yeah. day. I call them. Yeah, one of, the things, one of the things I really enjoy of Pangea, that app was it's fair game. It really is. It don't mm -hmm. matter if you're in Texas, California, you know, Nevada, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're going to pull talent from wherever it is out of Pangea, that app. And I thought that was pretty awesome. I know that, and we had talked about this 
you know, about not allowing unpaid opportunities, right? Talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah. So this is something that, that we, we were kind of going back and forth with for a while. And ultimately, you know, we, we were, we had company, you know, unpaid internships are such a big thing, you know, yeah. they're part of what's expected, but they're really problematic when you think about it, because only students who come from a certain background of privilege can afford to take time to work on something and not get paid, paid. to do it. Right. So like in New York in particular, in the entertainment industry, as an example, right, there's an expectation that you come up and you work, you know, for Jimmy Fallon and every, everything is unpaid. Right. Unpaid, but then, yeah. the, and then it ends up becoming being an old white boys club, you know, because the only kids who can like take those internships and that's how you get the full time job when you graduate are people who can afford to work the entire summer. Right. Not get paid to do it when everyone who is trying to come up in society has to go work at Starbucks. So they have to go work on, you know, work study to do on campus job. And it's just super unfair. And, and there's a lot of inequity in the world. Right. And, and Agreed. Yeah. it's important to solve it. It's really important to solve that, uh, to have a society that that's pleasurable to live in for all of us. And so from our earliest days, one of the things that we wanted to do was create more equal access to economic opportunity. Good for you. And that to us was a big piece of the puzzle towards equality overall. And we felt that if people don't have the same access to economic opportunities to up level themselves, we're not doing a good job. Right. So, and this, this really came to head, you know, during the, the BLM movement this past summer. Sure. And it was like, you no, know, what can we do to actually make a difference? And for us, the lowest hanging fruit was just killing unpaid internships. You know, it was in the back of our head the entire that's time. Awesome. And we uh, said, you know what? This is not good for business. It's a it's differentiator for, for Pangea, that app as well. You know what? And it sets a, just a, a positive culture for the organization, not only for corporations that hire, but vice versa, right? For the students. I think that is great. So listen to all our listeners at T20E World. We're going to continue to dig deeper here with Adam, but we have to give thanks to our sponsor. Are you a college student or recent graduate looking to land a job? Look no further. Pangea.app, a startup founded by two recent grads from Brown University, connecting students across the country with freelance projects that start part-time and can grow into full-time jobs. Get to work helping companies with their social media, websites, blogs, and products to make a real impact and make real money at the same time. Download for free at Pangea.app. That's P-A-N-G-E-A dot app. And start applying to remote roles at high-growth startups and e-commerce sites. Pangea.app, the first freelance marketplace built for students. All right, here we are back with Adam Alpert of Pangea, that app, the founder, CEO of the company. And we are talking a little bit about the evolution of Pangea, that app, as well as how he dealt with all the rejections to create and finally get to where he is today. Let's talk a little bit about competition. Okay, so you created this app, you know, and let's face it, there's competitors out there. What is the biggest differentiator, you know? between your company, Pangea, that app, and say some of the other companies that are out there? Yeah, I mean, it depends on exactly who we're talking with, right? So a lot of times, you know, people say, hey, what's different than this in like an Upwork or a Fiverr, you know, any of the other freelance marketplaces, you know? Why work with a student when I can outsource this overseas? You know, and what I think about is saying, hey, when you look at Google and Facebook and these larger tech companies, they run internship programs. You know, they do the internship programs because they're an investment in the company's future. Mm-hmm. That's their next full-time hire. That's right. And yes, these students work on real projects and they bring really fresh perspectives and they help bring new ideas for all these new product lines that the companies do. But it ends up being the lifeblood of the company. 
they need to be competitive when they hire and therefore they need to plant seeds while students are still in school so that they can give them return offers so they join them, right? And left out of this equation are all the smaller companies that, you know, can't run a full-time internship, right? Or they can't get even access to the students. And then they end up trying to compete with all these large tech companies who are just ruthless in how they're trying to hire students, right? Because they need the best talent at the end of the day. That's what makes companies more competitive and successful. At least in the United States, it's not necessarily about, it's not about cheap labor, right? It's about most innovative, creative, highest quality, highest cognitively function talent right? Sure. Uh, that's what's always made America competitive. And that's what makes the big tech companies competitive. And yes, those people exist outside the United States who are very, very capable. And a lot of these companies now do a lot of, you know, have offices overseas and all sure. that kind of stuff because there's great talent pools elsewhere. But there's a reason why these large tech companies do internship programs. And what we want to do is basically bring access to that same quality of talent to companies who don't have internship programs. And you look at it that way, you're not comparing it to a Fiverr and Upwork, right? But in order to give those companies access to the students, you need to give them the functionality and convenience that you would find in an Upwork or a Fiverr. You need to make hiring someone take three days, not three months. You need to give them the ability to run payroll super seamlessly without having to go and do W-9s and do their own 1099 filings and pay for their own payroll service and all this kind of stuff, you know, have their own time tracking system. You know, oftentimes it's the managing of students that's the biggest headache for the smallest companies. And that's actually one of the areas that we think we can have the biggest impact. Yeah, you made it really smooth even for our company. I mean, it was just a, a simple, simple process. Obviously, we we interviewed quite a bit of people from uh, from your pool of Pangeans. And I, like I said, I wish I could have had five of them. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and I hope I can. I hope I can hire them and, you know, go through Pangea.app, put them here to work in our social media marketing department. But uh, mm -hmm. so let me ask you, how do you ensure the quality? You know, and, and, I, and I'm also curious as the process. Say I'm a student, right? You know, how do I get the word out there and what is the actual process for a student to connect with Pangea, that app? Yeah, so students come into our ecosystem and they're able to create profiles. We view these profiles as like their homepage, as, as their resume. Is there a charge for this or no? There's no charge to sign up. Awesome. No. Um, our business model is there's a percentage on the companies and mm -hmm. then students keep, you know, at least 80% of their earnings, just like they would on Upwork or Fiverr. Absolutely. Uh, but they end up keeping more when they work with us as they would on Upwork or Fiverr. Okay. And we also have minimums that students have to earn. So you're not competing with $3 an hour of labor overseas. Got it. It's very important. So students create their profile, makes applying to jobs super seamless. And then in, in terms of ensuring quality, we're excited for our new product release because the profiles are becoming much more robust and the employers have a lot more data when they're making decisions around who they want to chat with and how they kind of rank their candidates. We are introducing Zoom integration, so you can hop on a Zoom call with the student before you hire them. Okay. Um, and our, a lot of our most successful employers actually you know, will have the student work on a project, right? So our platform enables project work, it enables freelance work. So you can hire someone very simply to do a couple hours of work with you on our platform. Everything's contractually safe, and you can actually see the kind of work that the student can produce. And I think that that's one of the really important things about what we're building is giving the students a chance to demonstrate their capabilities to employers, right? How, and that's, no it's critical because that's how you can reduce the time to hire from three months to three days. Listen, and we have a lot of ideas around this that I'm going to keep close to my chest for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're just, listen, you're also opening up the door, giving the student the opportunity to get their foot inside. The rest is mm -hmm. up to them, you know? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about, I know there was like a top emerging talent program 
Yes. Yeah, talk so to me this, about this, is, this is also related to the quality, right? I mean, we have now more than 10,000 students in our ecosystem. Oh, awesome. it, becomes, it becomes very hard for a lot of our employers to parse through, yeah. right? And, and yeah. there, there's certain students, you know, there's kind of two pools of students that come into our ecosystem. There's those that are, you know, maybe underclassmen who've just never held an internship before and, you know, don't know a lot of professional ethics. And, you know, we do a lot of work to support them. And, and we'll talk about Academy in a couple of minutes here. Mm-hmm. But there's also the students that come in and maybe they have you know, had a summer job before they, they've gotten an internship or maybe they've worked on a personal project that's really impressive to us. So what we've started doing is looking at every single student who signs up on the platform and we invite them to apply to the top emerging talent program. And what we do is we actually manually review all these applications. Uh, we look at all of the most promising ones. Uh, and then we actually do video interviews uh, with those students. And then we, every three months, we, we launch a new batch of students that are basically finalists or winners or selected in the top emerging talent. They become okay. a part of a class together. And then we make those students accessible to uh, a lot of our most promising companies. Uh, and then, so that's, that's what the top emerging talent program is. And we've seen a lot of success with it so far. Yeah. We just released our first class, 205 students, and we are now, we've already accepted applications to the spring 21 class. So any students out there who are interested, go check out our website and look for the subheader Top Emerging Talent and you can apply tonight and uh, we'll look at your application and, and we're excited to start accepting people into our spring batch. Phenomenal. What about companies? How are you, how you uh, getting the word out to these corporations to, to kind of know Pangea, that app is out there? The really cool thing is that 70% of our clients came through word of mouth. So a lot of our clients are very happy with the students that they found. And a lot of our clients tend to be connected with other founders and other small business owners. And when they talk about their team, you know, like, like I said, I talk, I have my 10 founders in Rhode Island that I talk to every single night and, you know, we all deal with the same problems. So when that comes around, like I need to hire a designer, I need to hire a freelancer and, you know, and if we have someone that found Pangea already and had success with it, they become mavens for us, you know, they become advocates for us. And that's what drives us, right? It's that really high retention on the client side and make sure that their experience is, you know, 11 stars out of five stars, you know, as Brian Chesky likes to put it. I want to make sure that every experience is great. And I think we have a lot of room for improvement, but that's what we strive for. So a lot of word of mouth. And then we have some partnerships with some accelerator programs where we're able to source some companies in these, you know, programs and they're getting a lot of support themselves. So that's been a really fruitful uh, avenue and pipeline for us. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. You could help, you could assist all these universities right now that are being challenged with the recruitment process, right? Every mm-hmm. major university across the country right now with what happened with the pandemic last year, it was challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the student junior year, and I remember this, right? Obviously my son just came out of Penn state last year and same thing, junior year, you start dealing and, and meeting and trying to apply for internship programs with all these universities, you go to recruitments, you know, in the cafeteria, wherever it may be, that just went right out the window last year. So this is like a beautiful opportunity for you to kind of continue that linkage, right, between a corporation and the students. Did you guys actually see a spike last year due to the pandemic? Yeah, we, we saw a massive spike. We, were, we we kind of had a chicken and an egg problem going into last year. Right? We were so small and it's, you know, when you're building a marketplace, sure. it's like, hey, how do I get a student to sign up if I don't have a company posting a job? And how do I get a company to post a job if I don't I, have a student there? Absolutely. And to solve that, you know, initially it was like, you know, John and I would go and we'd get a table set up outside of RISD and we'd get kids, you know, we have, you know, 50 rubber ducks lined up on the, and they get the kids looking, they get their attention and we get them to download the app in front of us. And then when they signed up, we'd give them a duck. And it was great because it helped them understand us. It helped us talk to students. And then it, it actually helped us understand their experience with the product when they were signing up. But with the, with the pandemic, we saw a really big acceleration in the space that we're in, right? I mean, too many students lost their summer internships this summer. And all at once, all these oh, students yeah. were looking for jobs. And there's been a couple of companies in our space that kind of sprouted up 
you know, in the universe recruitment space. I think that we have a really unique approach to the yeah. fact that we're a freelance marketplace and we're really committed to that. And so we had, you know, all of a sudden we had all the supply in the world and then it, it became a lot around how do we make sure we find them all jobs? Yeah. You know, we want to fulfill and that's, you know, a challenge yeah, for us, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. 10,000 students, you get 10,000 jobs, right? Yeah. And so and we're not there, but we aspire to. We want to find every student who signs up, get a job. So we need to, awesome. we started shifting our energy into, you know, how do we acquire the right kind of companies? What are the right kind of projects? How do we ensure that every project that's posted gets filled, that all those matches are high quality and they're lasting and that company's happy? Because when they're happy, they come back and they post three more, Absolutely. you know, and they tell their two of their friends to come sign up too. So let, let so, me ask you, Adam, let me ask you, give me a quick message to corporations right now, because a lot of the people that follow T20E World are also executives now out of corporations. I'm an ex-corporate yeah. America guy and... Uh, <laughs> You know, how do we attract these companies? How do we attract the Fortune 100, the Fortune 500 corporations? You know, they have a lot. So we talk a lot about, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500. You know, we have plans for and, and a good beat on, you know, the type of product that they would want. And they might have use for what we have today, but I think the product they want is different than what we have today. And we, we have an angle to get there. Okay. A lot of what we've built around today is what, who we call the Fortune 5. You know, all of the other university recruitment products are all going after the same 500 companies and their recruiters and annual licenses that cost 50 grand. But you and me, we can't drop 50 grand no, on an annual man. subscription. No, come <laughs> on. Like, that's insane. That's um, a great point. So we see a massive blue ocean of companies you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of founders who listen to this podcast who, you know, want to grow their businesses and want to have the best talent, but you can't drop 50 grand to, to get the enterprise version of Handshake your way up, right? You need to find no a way, doubt. but how do you get the top talent? So we're trying to unlock talent for the Fortune 5 million companies. I love it. We believe by doing that, we'll be able to also move up market too, but we want to serve both markets. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Adam. No, that's a great, great point. Listen, before we uh, wrap up, talk to me a little bit about, and I have participated this month in uh, the Pangea Academy. I thought it was a great program. I know uh, Nadir's been heading in that, and a phenomenal job, by the way, and mm -hmm. very, very informative information. But talk to me a little bit about you know, the thoughts be behind launching Pangea Academy. That's great. I'm so happy that you're participating. Um, oh, yeah, I'm man. I'm super excited to... for all, everyone in Academy to hear these podcasts. A couple, couple of thoughts that kind of have come together in order to form Academy. The piece that I talked about before, like, you know, we have two segments of students. We have the students who come in, the Anthony's that are just, they're ready for it. You know, we oh, know yeah. that we can connect with an employer and they're going to do a great job. And we want to help those kids find jobs as soon as they can, because we know they're going to make a great impression. And that's going to create more opportunities for everyone else in the ecosystem. But we have all these students who just have so much potential, right? I mean, you have students, they're raw talent. You know, Completely. if you step on the shores of Pangea and you, you stick your hands in the sand and you pull up this rough gemstone, it's a little dirty, it's rough around the edges. And too many companies say, ah, you know, you're, it's not, it's not pretty. You're honest, pumping right? me up, man. This is great. Yeah. yeah no, and I'm you, with you. So what we want to do is we want to find those rough uncut gems and we want to, you know, give them a little polish, sharpen them up a little bit because we know that they're going to be incredibly valuable to companies. And that's what Academy is out to do. Oh, that's awesome. You know, helping your students, empowering your students who aren't quite ready, want to serve them and also trying to tackle the skill gap. You know, we have so many companies looking for basic social media skills and they don't teach that in school. So we see an opportunity for us to start to fill some of that gap and make sure that we're filling the roles and the needs of all of our clients. Oh, that's great, Adam. Thank you so much for sharing that information. And first off, thanks again, man, for being a part of T20E World Podcast and also for sponsoring this month of January. Phenomenal. I wish you all the much success. And I want to leave our listeners with one bit of advice from Adam Alpert. So this is your time. What would that advice be? This has been a long journey. Like I said, <laughs> it's been five years since we founded the company. 
the only reason we're still here today and we've we've given ourselves, you know, the time to become lucky is because we never stopped believing in ourselves. And everyone else, even if they smile at you and say they like your idea, no one's going to believe in you. And the worst thing you could do is lose belief in yourself. So believe in yourself, even if you don't truly believe in yourself, convince yourself that you can do it, that you are competent because you are your own worst enemy and you're always inches away from death, but you're always, you know, you're the closest you are to succeeding than you've ever been before. So don't lose self-belief. If you believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything. Phenomenal advice, my friend. Thank you again, Adam, so much. That was just kick-ass advice. So to all our friends out there, T20 Eat World, this is Adam Alpert and Hugo, and we are checking out.